it's the way of saying the stuff that I have in my mind. It's the best way to, to explain myself. Hello, print friends, and welcome. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. Each week, I chat with artists who use print-based media to do something beyond the expected. This is a bilingual podcast, so if you subscribe to us, you'll be getting episodes in English as well as Spanish with Renaldo Gilzambrano. Together, we speak with printmakers around the globe about their practice and passions in the world of printmaking. Hello, Print Friend is brought to you by Speedball Art Products who've been offering a diverse range of high-quality products to your creative practice since 1997. Products like their line of professional screen printing tools. Speedball believes that professional-grade quality doesn't have to ruin your budget. Their aluminum squeegees, scoop coaters, and high-mesh count screens are perfectly suited to outfit your workspace without changing your books from black to red. So if you want to upgrade your space from hobbyist to pro, head on over to Speedball's website, where you can pick up your new favorite setup. There's a link in the show notes. My guest this week is Anna Trojanowska, a winner of the 2022 5x5 exhibition. 5x5 is a juried exhibition that takes place during Print Austin, a spectacular month-long festival which includes 60 print-focused events and serves thousands of audience members annually. The exhibition will feature five artists and hang at Ivester Contemporary for an in-person show from December 11th, 2021 through January 22nd, 2022. Online programming is going on now, so make sure to check out Print Austin's Instagram for details, not to mention Anna's takeover this week. In this week, Anna and I talk about her love of lithography and getting lost in the process, litho on marble, running her own studio, and the ways in which she uses the limits of two-dimensional composition to break the laws of physics. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to meet the woman with the heart of stone, Anna Trojanowska. Hi, Anna. How's it going? Oh, great. Thank you, Miranda. I'm very happy that I can talk to you right now. Yeah, I'm really happy you could join me too. I've actually seen your work over the years and various catalogs or, or exhibitions. And then when Print Austin invited me to interview you um, in collaboration with uh, the, the Print Austin Expo, I was really happy because I, I'm looking forward to getting to know you and your work more. Oh, I'm happy too. <laughs> <laughs> so would you mind to get us started uh, just giving yourself an introduction and just telling people who you are and where you are and what you do. Okay, so uh, my name is Anna Trojanowska. I live in Poland. I'm a, I'm a printmaker from Poland, but I'm not only uh, doing printmaking because uh, I work on in Art Academy of Art and Design in Wrocław. Uh, and I was teaching lithography for 12 years and since uh, oh my God, six years from now, I have my own studio and it's not lithographic studio, but it's a studio of interface design. So right now I'm teaching interface design. Uh, I'm doing a lot of animation and uh, graphic design stuff, but I'm all the time lithographer 
but not teaching lithography, but working on lithography in my own studio. So uh, that's how it looks, uh, how it looks right now. All right. And then where did you grow up and how did you come to art in that part of your life? Okay, so um, I grew up here. <laughs> so I grew up in Poland, actually in a small village uh, quite close to the city. Uh, work that I work right now, and uh, I decided to um, to leave uh, with uh, printmaking uh, just after secondary school because before uh, I was I thought that you know uh, living with art and doing art makes no bigger sense for <laughs> for, for living. But actually, that was the thing that I uh, loved so much that I decided to go to secondary school, art school. And uh, then I went to some uh, plein air with students uh, from uh, Art Academy. And it was a printmaking plein air. And they were quite boring because they were sitting, cutting <laughs> those plates and those, you know, linos. And it was for us because we were two girls, two young girls from secondary school and looking at them, sitting during all the night and doing some strange stuff that we didn't understand. And after the plenaire, I thought that, okay, so I know that printmaking is the thing that I don't want to do in my life. <laughs> and after one year... <laughs> I uh, decided to uh, go to, um, to start studies in Art Academy uh, and I decided to do printmaking definitely because uh, there's those strange people working by night uh, over those linos and uh, plates, copper plates and stuff like this. Uh, they were so involved in, in those things that they were doing that it made me thinking about this. Even if I first thought that it something pointless and, you know, um, nothing that I can do in my life, but actually I cannot imagine living without printmaking. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think was was the difference for you from, you know, having that, that plein air experience to really connecting with it and deciding that it was something that you wanted to do? Like, why printmaking? Why not oil painting or ceramics? Uh, okay, it was like... Mm, I was good in drawing, and uh, I told that uh, I would like to draw all of my life, but you know, how to draw, what to draw, or um, when I when I found out those people uh, in the planet that they were cutting things, and they actually, they did drawing, but they did drawing in a very um, strange way for me, <laughs> because it was my first contact with printmaking, and actually, this what they printed were... It was much uh, much more interesting than than the sketches, and I thought, oh my god, maybe maybe that's the way. Mm. And then uh, dur- during uh, during studies, I just went to some uh, printmaking studio. Actually, I didn't know a lot of about about printmaking, but I decided to choose uh, lithography because I knew some artists before, and I immediately fell in love. Mm. And it's you know it's the longest love of my life. <laughs> Your true love, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So right now I'm very, very happy because I have a press in my garage. So actually I can go there uh, anytime I want and I can just draw or just do other stuff connected with um, with working on the image or with preparing papers or other things. 
there is a lot of things to do. Yeah. Um, not only drawing, but uh, I just love it. You know, you can feel safe there. You can feel um, relaxed. And you are in a place that everything is predictable. Uh, okay, not always. It's printmaking. It's not right, right. It's lithography. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But actually you feel safe and it's like um, like super uh, safe place that you can rest and you can refill your battery. Mm. So that's perfect for me. Yeah, well, I would guess having that space in your own home that's your studio, you know, it's not a shared studio. You're not going to come in and find that, you know, someone didn't, you know, put the lid back on tightly on the ink or, you know, didn't clean the baron or anything like that. Like you'll or, yeah. or you, you it's it's your space and you can kind of just get totally absorbed in there and just have that little garage studio be your world is what it sounds like. Yes, actually, it is like this because, because before when I was in shared studio, it was like, uh, just like you said before, that uh, there's no rugs, there's no uh, such things or uh, things are dirty or there are, aren't uh, in place that you expected. And um, it was a bit unpredictable. And right now, okay, it's not very clean studio. It's messy studio. It's full of... <laughs> Uh, some strange notes or strange stuff that I think that I may use or that remind me something, but I know where everything is and it's really helpful. So it's way better to have your own studio than to have a shared one. Especially when you work with, when you work as a student or after after working as a student as, as a um, assistant in studio, then they come people that uh, come like a comet. So they just do things and they get out and right. leave everything messy. So <laughs> right now, if there's a mess, it's my mess. And I did it. So <laughs> it's, I'm the only person I can blame. Right. Yeah, that's definitely a different element that when you go into a studio or really any shared creative space and someone else has left a mess, that is... That that's a, that's a bigger emotional hurdle to get over than your own mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A roller and you, it should be super clean, and you try to print in white, and you print pink. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. So, do you think that it was your love of drawing that connected you with lithography, or brought you to lithography as the medium that you focus in? Uh, I think it was. Yeah, it was the beginning because I thought that. Uh, it's the the most close to drawing. Photography is the most close to drawing because actually you're using crayons, which look and work just like pencils. So actually, it was really uh, similar. Uh, of course, the stone is not the same as the sheet of paper, which is really painful in the beginning because you know you cannot just draw, uh, you just erase some lines that you don't want, but you have to sc scratch them or just uh, grain the stone. But uh, actually, uh, when you draw a uh, image on the stone, then you can feel that each. Uh, trait that you leave uh, is meaningful because <laughs> mm. you really don't trade it or start again. So uh, you start thinking during uh, drawing. I think it's from from my point of view. Yeah, the, the the fact that you know you're not using paper and pencil and you can't just erase a, a mark 
Um, and you have to be, of course, very careful about getting grease on the stone, you know, getting your, your hand, um, you know, to smudge things. So it's, I've never had that pointed out before, but that really seems true that in lithography, it's like drawing, but the most present intentional drawing because the very nature of it, it's not as loose as doing, you know, even like charcoal in a sketchbook or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything carry uh, every finger print actually. Everything you can print. So if you don't uh, if you aren't very careful, uh you can expect a lot of uh, not very nice surprises or yeah. nice surprises. <laughs> well, and, but uh, not intentional, yeah. Yeah, well, and of course that's true, not just in the drawing, but in all the chemistry. You know, lithography is, of course, so famous for being really frustrating and difficult and also very rewarding, but, you know, just people saying, look, I did everything right. It worked like this last week. And today my drawing's filling in and I just don't know why. You know, having this almost magical, mystic status in the printmaking world as the medium yeah. that you have to be a sort of a chemist or a, or a magician or a wizard to really get it to work for you. Um, how was taking on that element of the technical side for you, did you enjoy the challenge? Was it frustrating? Was it kind of both? Oh my God, it's super rewarding. Oh, good. Really. <laughs> <laughs> it's super, it's just fantastic because, you know, it's like, uh, okay, so I know that I want to do lithography and what should I do to uh, own it, you know, to, um, that I can say everything that I want to say uh, using a lithographic language. Okay, so I have to learn the letters to draw the words because mm. without knowing the uh, chemical alphabet, I cannot say any poem from my head. Mm. I have to know the alphabet, the basics, all the basics because otherwise any phrase that I want to write will be wrong, will be mistaken or will be uh, bad. So the chemistry and all those magical stuff um, has to become uh, not uh, magic, but knowledge. Right. And that was the start for me. Actually, I think right now, of course, I make mistakes. Like, oh, oh my God, the stupidest mistakes sometimes. <laughs> but now that it's not magic, but it's my fault because something was uh, not enough etched or over etched, but I know it. So right now I think I'm on the level that if uh, mistakes occur, that uh, I know where was the mistake. So <laughs> that's a good point. And of course, I love the magic of lithography. It's uh, the most rewarding technique uh, over any printmaking technique. Mm, yeah. But of course, it's, of course, it's only my point of view because when I uh, talk with people uh, in love in Italia, for example, or in, in uh, Linoca, they can say the same things about their technique. Yeah. But definitely, uh, lithography is my uh, natural language, and it's like I dream in lithography. So actually, um, it's the way of saying the stuff that I have in my mind, and it's the best. Uh, it's the best way to to, to explain myself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it really sounds like it's it's like your art soulmate that you two met each other and you're like, okay, let's do this. 
And and so you've actually started a whole website dedicated to lithography. You know, your 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 bond with the medium goes that deep. Um, can you tell me a little bit about why you did that and and what people can find on the website? Yes. Uh, okay. It was a it was some uh, Polish Ministry of uh, some Polish Ministry of Art uh, grant uh, that I applied to make some kind of presentation about, about uh, lithography. And it was uh, about 20, 20 years ago or something like this. So it's quite old things. And first, uh, at first, it, it, it was only explanation. What is lithography? How does it uh, work like? And uh, over time, it evolved to uh, do something bigger. Actually, I added some parts about technique, some parts about uh, the um, test uh, with how all the procedure works. Because when I was working with, with students, they were really frustrated when <laughs> something went bad. Yeah. Not normal in lithography, but if you don't understand the steps, you cannot do it properly because it's pure chemistry. And if you don't understand the chemistry, if you don't understand the step-by-step um, -step process, you cannot do it right. So, and you, you know, if you don't do it right in studio, you waste, you waste, you waste your time, you waste your paper, and you get frustrated. Right. So, if they try it on the application on the web. Uh, they can uh, find out when they make mistakes and why they make mistakes, what can make, uh, what, what they do wrong and how can they fix it. So it was really helpful when I was teaching lithography. And uh, first I thought that it's only for my students. And then uh, it occurred that it's for students and not only students uh, from all over the world because uh, I got really nice words sometimes <laughs> from people from uh, Australia, from uh. United States, from from everywhere that, oh, it's a good good place. Thank you for doing this. It's my pleasure, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really feel like because lithography is, you know, printmaking is a small camp. It's a small friend circle. And then even within that, lithography is even smaller. And I've spoken with other lithographers um like uh, Itazu-san in, uh, in, in Tokyo or uh, uh, Patrick Wagner in, uh, you know, Berlin slash Sweden. And it seems like, you know, particularly before the internet, there was this circle of lithographers trading tips and techniques and like trying to get information from each other. And so I can imagine you putting this resource up online. It must be wonderful because it really is, I think, still difficult for people to find answers to their lithography questions and understand, you know, where did this go wrong? And and how do I fix it? You know, how do I stop it from doing it again? So I, I'm not surprised to hear it was very well received because I think there are lithographers around the world trying to figure out how to make this work. Yeah. But yeah, but there is a Oh my God, thousands of tiny things that actually you can only see in action. So when you visit someone's studio and you can see, okay, he, he, he keeps uh, this stuff like this. I do it uh, a bit different way, but his way is better. So, and those things, you, you cannot write in a book, you cannot write anywhere. You just have to 
see it because uh, for me it's something normal and for someone it may be wow super uh, super cool you know um, thing that uh, helps uh, you know working in a workshop or something like this yeah. so uh, meeting and visiting other studios it's super rewarding as well and super helpful yeah well you know i live in uh, uh santa fe new mexico so i'm just about an hour away from the Tamarind Institute of Lithography. Oh. <laughs> um, so I'm in like lithography country right now. Have you ever gotten a chance to visit? I feel like you and, you know, Brandon and Valpuri would have so much to talk about. Oh, I haven't had a chance before. And right now we have the COVID situation. Yeah. So I hope when it ends and I hope... Uh, that it, will, that it will end soon. But yeah. I, I really would love to go there and visit and see all those things that they wrote in their fantastic books because actually these are uh, lithography Bibles. Yeah. Because this is really well uh, written, this is really well done, and actually it explains everything from the chemistry to art. So every step is so well described and... Uh, my professor, my teacher, Pavel Fonskiewicz, was there um, on some scholarship, but it was years ago. And fame of Tamarind, it's uh, you know, it's in our uh, in our academy, yeah. really alive. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> legends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you That's have a true. another friend in New Mexico in me, so you have another reason. <laughs> we'll we'll go to Tamarind. It's. Uh, I just moved here, so I haven't seen it in person myself either. But yeah, I think it's it's like where all lithographers have to travel at some point in their life is the Tamarind Institute, I think. Yes, and there is another place that I would love to see in Mexico. It's uh, La Ceiba Grafica. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, and they work a similar way because actually I don't work on limestone. I work on marble. And, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I was surprised to see your videos because <laughs> I've only ever heard lithography limestone, lithography limestone, and you're working on marble. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, I, I made my uh, doctoral research about marble and it was the second milestone in my lithographic life and uh, I discovered marble and actually right now uh, I definitely prefer marble and it was like of course I read before in um, Felder's book that he tried working on marbles but in his time marbles were much more expensive than limestone mm. and uh, right now it's opposite <laughs> So uh, you can actually buy marbles everywhere. Even here in the village that I live, there is a small stone uh, stones for architecture or for other stuff um, shop. So I can buy a piece of, for example, um, Carrara marble and work on it. And it's so cheap. So and it works really well. It works really well, and it's. For me right now, because I'm working on marbles, uh, I think, eight years now. And, I, okay, I'm working actually on one piece of marble because uh, I, the workshop is not very big. So um, I don't have many stones. I have few limestones and one big piece of uh, marble uh, glued to from uh, granite, mm -hmm. you can you know buy it in. Uh, you can buy this uh, marble slabs in three centimeters or 
two centimeters uh, thick uh, slices, and then uh, even in the sh- in the place that they sell uh, stones, they can stick it on some other cheaper stone, and it's actually uh, really um, it's better for the um, structure of the stone because those glued uh, ones are more. I, I prefer working on uh, on marbles because they are uh, oh my god they are beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> they are really cheap, so it's economic. Uh, economically, it's also good, and um, they are white. So when you work on white uh, stone, you don't have the same that you when you work on mar- uh, when you work on limestone when uh, you draw always a bit to light image. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. So working on marble is it really the same principles? Are you using the same chemical process or is it something entirely different compared to limestone? I think it's definitely the same. Uh, There are some uh, slight differences, uh, like during graining, for example. So um, uh, when you grain a limestone, you have to do a lot of passes because it's uh, soft and all the uh, all the um, oh my god, all the greasy things go deeper into the stone. But uh, marble is much more than than uh, it's harder. Oh, mm, it's just yeah. harder, and when you grain it, you just grain three passes, sometimes four passes. Actually, in my case, two passes is usually okay, uh, and uh, the stone is perfectly grain. Nothing appears from uh, before. No ghost. And uh, when I was uh, on some artist residency last year, uh, in the beginning of last year, in Germany, in great studio, just in the center of Munich, I was working on uh, limestones, and uh, I was great. I had to grind them half of a day. Yeah. <laughs> they had really deep uh, ghost images inside. Oh, so uh-huh. It was a lot of work to get rid of them. And in, in case of my stone, it just works perfectly. So I think there is no not a big difference between working, but you have to a bit uh, recalibrate. So do some two or three um, proof uh, images to see how uh, the etching works. Right, yeah. you, you can etch much stronger, but you don't have to, but you can if you want. And uh, for example, scratching, it's not as if you want to use some um, lithogravure, so uh, dry point on the stone, for example, or other kind of scratching. It's, uh, the trace is slightly different than on limestone. So mm. uh, scratching on limestone, on limestone is a bit better, okay? Okay, <laughs> that's so- okay. so that's the one, the one way. <laughs> yeah. But I, I feel like it will be kind of a revelation for some people to hear if they don't know already, like it was for me, that you can use marble because, as you say, it's so much more accessible and so much cheaper. You know, it doesn't come from the, the one magical quarry in Bavaria. You know, you can't you can just, you know, go down the road and, and get it. So is, um, is there sort of any resource on the website about using marble or is it just, you know really the same principle so people just need to dive in and uh, try try it and see what works for them actually it works exactly the same so uh, once I was asked uh, by some some person from internet uh, which techniques are good uh, uh, in case of um, lithography on marble actually all of them are but 
of course, uh, I didn't add the information. I, I did add the information on the website, but I, but I definitely should. Of course, uh, I don't have time. Yeah, that's always <laughs> artists are always always behind on updating their websites. It's universal. You, you want to be making. You don't want to be doing websites. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, you know, actually, it's a part of my uh, job making websites, so oh, <laughs> I really? should definitely do it. But actually, you know, it's uh, something that uh, you think it's so obvious that everyone knows it, and then someone tells you that it's not, and, uh, you know, then you think that you really should update it, but, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. So I'd like to talk a little bit about the actual art practice that you do and some of the images that... Uh, people might see through Print Austin. And you have these really precise explorations of light and shadow and form and, you know, real, almost sort of, um, I don't know, scientific's the right word, that sounds too cold, but, you know, these real uh, exploring of shape and sort of it coming off the page or disappearing into it. And they're just beautiful, and they're they're these wonderful, oh. yeah, they're, they're really really lovely, and they're these wonderful studies of these individual elements in art and how they kind of all move together. And I guess I'm curious for what was your journey as an artist to find that you were going to take on a more sort of abstract, although it's not really abstract art, but it's sort of a more abstract exploration of image, you know, as opposed to just, I'm going to draw trees or I'm going to, you know, do portraits. You're really looking at these individual elements and how our eye interacts with them. Yeah. Actually, I started uh, I started with uh, realistic stuff mm. because I started with drawing some fruits and some repetitions of fruits and from those repetitions become less fruity over the time. And afterwards, I decided to remove from fruits from my repetitions. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that, that's what led, because uh, I thought that uh, I cannot do art connected with social things. Mm. Uh, I cannot do art connected with some real-life related things, because I think that... Uh, my art, of course, it's only my point of view, but I think that if art is free from all those connections, it's, it can stay longer. Oh, and yeah. uh, the more I was digging, the less I uh, tried to connect anything related to, to real world um, into, my, into my print. And um, afterwards, that I discovered something obvious, so it was not, not a big discovery, but <laughs> actually all of us, some uh, code that uh, can help us uh, to understand uh, that image because all of us uh, understand perspective, all of all of us um, understand all those relations between objects. So you can see flat photo or flat image, and you you understand the mm-hmm. distance, you understand the relationship between us and the shadows and everything. And I thought hmm, maybe I can. I can manipulate using this code because actually everything on the flat image is flat. Yeah. So I can move shadows, uh, I can um, detach shadows from the object. I can just, you know, work with light and with uh, objects and with shadows uh, individually. So I can cut objects from the shadows, for example, or I can just uh, make things that, that are not, uh, not physically uh, proper 
but you know, I can make uh, new physics in my work. What stops me? So actually, it's a great field of experimentation and a great field of making all those uh, tiny um, movements that makes it not uh, uh, totally um, copying of real life, uh-huh. uh, but a smooth movement between real life and my, let's say, uh, imaginary uh, composition that that I can do using this code that everyone can decode. So, you know, and it's uh, super, uh, it's always, mm, there is always so many options that I can dig in. Yeah, yeah, because when you're not, when you're not like just only producing images that are reproductions of what's in the world and you're using these individual elements, you know, like you said, like perspective and shadow, you truly have an infinite amount of compositions because you don't need to worry about realistic possibility. And I think that's what we see in your work where you see shadows and perspectives that seem to sometimes be sort of um, breaking the laws of physics a bit and and moving into yep. another plane of reality. So yeah, you're not bound by, does this look like this existing object or experience that's really interesting i haven't thought of it that way before but yeah you're right like you can continually return to this theme almost for forever really yeah yeah that's the problem actually because you know (laughs) sometimes i make notes and okay that's uh, another composition another composition and you make thousands of sketches Uh, some of them are really bad and some of them you know remind Sometimes some of them become uh, prints afterwards, but you know the possibilities are just uh, un- uh, endless. Endless, yeah, absolutely. And and so I saw a video of you online, and it's, it's actually you're doing an artist talk, and then you cut to these really beautifully shot videos um, of some of your process. And what you do is you go into a dark room and you actually set up sort of matches or something on the stone and do an exposure. Uh. And and then you say, but this is super toxic. Don't do this at home. <laughs> and but I'm kind of wondering, you know, what what is that process? And then, um, you know, I, I just found that really interesting because you're 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 literally painting with light and shadow in that process, you know, not just drawing yeah. it as well. So how does that fit into your practice? And then also, what are you doing there? And how are you keeping yourself safe? <laughs> Actually, I, I just wanted to try the process because uh, uh, drawing, you know, it's, it's like um, between print and your uh, image in your uh, mind, there is a long path. So mm. you can make thousands of, uh, mistakes and it doesn't look like this what you have uh, in your head so I was always thinking how to shorten this distance and um, when I was working uh, with light was thinking about those uh, shadow light related things I thought that maybe stone should be a matrix some kind of um, real matrix so not like uh, not not like making uh, copies of some uh, photos on the stone, but uh, making photos with the stone. Actually, mm. it should be a camera. So I decided to use some photosensitive materials. Uh, I did some research and I found some um, old uh, Victorian processes of. Uh, 
photography and tried with, with this really toxic stuff, but I just made few proofs that, to prove that it worked. Then, of course, I found the same process in Tamarind book. <laughs> so um, uh, it was uh, quite uh, obvious that they uh, found it earlier mm. and it's not very uh, it's not nothing that you cannot find in literature so it's nothing revolutionary but only revolutionary from my point of view think it was uh, the thing that I just I didn't put the negative to uh, to light it on the stone but I just made a real composition of all those matches or or those sticks to uh, and expose it to to make a real photo using the stone. Uh, it works, but actually it's too toxic to work with this process all the time. Of course, it's super uh, nice for making video. Yeah. <laughs> that video was with this process, with, with exactly this process, but um, I think I don't recommend to do it at yeah. all, definitely. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it makes sense that it, it, it videos well because, you know, real-time footage of someone painstakingly drawing on a stone... <laughs> You know, it doesn't make for a dramatic effect, right? Just having an image slowly come together. But this really was, I can put a link to the video in the show notes for the talk here because it was really impressive and, um, and you know, quite dramatic as well. But, if, you know, in the, in it, because, and so that video, and then there's also a really, a really charming animation of little stones leaving the garden at the end of it too. Is that, sort of the other side of what you do when you said you you know you do lithography but you also now have a studio that does uh animation and sort of digital work as well is that a part of that then actually um i do it as a, i do a lot of commercial things uh, i think i don't want i don't want to talk about them right now but sometimes when you don't want to do um, uh, commercial things, you have to do something connected with uh, not your clients, but things that, for example, you do uh, as a hobby so, uh, or as a passion like photography. So uh, I and my friend, we decided to uh, make some videos about photography because he found this process really uh, exciting. And that's why those two movies uh, uh, were made. But uh, before I thought that we should make some more movies, but, uh, you know, the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um and it's it's interesting because, you know, right now like video is so powerful for the internet. You know, I mean it's it's what does the best on Instagram. It's what, you know, websites now are made of just like whole video splashes, sort of welcoming videos and, you know, we love it, right? Humans love watching it and it's really done i think wonders for printmaking because it's a medium and particularly lithography that people generally don't understand people out in the world don't really get what they're seeing and the fact that there's now thousands and thousands and thousands of videos out there that are process videos that someone can look up like if i'm at a party and I'm trying to explain to people what I do and I'm like no no I'm like no hold on give me a second let me show you it's a print see it's coming off the paper I think that it's done real wonders for printmaking and it's and it's 
knowledge, you know, it's, it's accessibility and it's education around it. But also it's sort of in a way I almost feel burdened by it because making videos is so time consuming and doing it right is so time consuming. But it's like now where this bar has been set, though, is, is, is documentation via video. And it just seems like it's almost another thing that artists have to take on in order to try and get attention in the world. Yeah, does that make sense? Yes, yes, definitely, yes. But it depends if they want to uh, have attention. Yeah, right. <laughs> or, or if they don't. That's why, for example, I don't have an Instagram account because mm. I know that it's really heavy stuff to keep. Actually, I know people that are active on Instagram and they uh, use a lot of their time to put nice images, good yeah. images, good yeah. quality images, and they are tracking the what people say, what people uh, like, and so on. And actually, I don't want to do it. Yeah. You know, the lithography is really my own, uh, my own, my private stuff. You know, I, of course, I send it on some exhibitions, on on some competitions. I, I try to be active, but uh, uh, to, to think that I like lithography is lithography, not the other things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, why. I only those two movies because um, and it's not about promotion. It's more about you know having fun during making the movies. And yeah. <laughs> so, but of course, I know that it that it's bad. You know, bad, bad uh, from the commercial point of view. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I really respect that. And you're completely right. And it's, I actually had this realization a couple of weeks ago, and it made me really mad. And I realized that Instagram doesn't actually do anything. It's making us feed it. Like we're the ones who produce content for it. And Instagram is just sitting there getting rich and they've created this product that they don't really have to do anything. And they've just created this system where everyone kind of produces something, creates something, puts their artistic output, their creative expression for free. Um, but yeah, so that was that's my rant about Instagram and that realization that Instagram just sits there and gets rich and we just give away what we make to it. <laughs> and, uh, free. For free. We are giving our time. We are giving our, you know, um, everything. Everything. Yeah, and and it's it's not like any other business that's like produces a product or a service. And I guess you could say like the hosting is the service, but like ah. Anyway, so yeah, I really respect and love that that you keep that private and you just you submit to competitions. You know, like Print Austin, which is what connected us, and. I don't know. I, I, I feel like the Instagram era is in its sort of twilight. I feel like people are getting sick of it and are starting to understand that they are kind of being taken advantage of and that it's this constant demand for new material that's exhausting and it's not really human. You know, I, I run the Instagram page for the podcast and I've got I've been really sick this last week. You might be able to hear it a little bit still in my voice. I um, 
I just, you know, not COVID. I got a test and the person I got sick from got a test and it all was negative. But just, you know, just a really bad chest cold, head cold, exhausted. And I haven't posted on the Instagram for a few days because I just have been sleeping. And it's like, mm-hmm. I open it up and it's like Instagram like punishes me. It's like the algorithm is like, I'm not putting your stuff in front of anyone anymore. And you lost followers. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like you're not allowed to be human. <laughs> Like, I can't even, like, take some days off because I'm sick. So, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see the post-Instagram art world because it did have for, you know, a decade such sort of like a stranglehold on artists. And I think we're starting to see that come to an end and people stepping off and, um, you know, really thinking about their work in different ways. Like, yeah, like you are. Yeah. Hmm. No, I think uh, I think I'm all stuck. <laughs> so I'm looking at Paris Kate because I have two uh, daughters. One is 14, second one is 10, mm. and you know they don't have and don't want they don't want to have Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, but they have other spaces that for me are totally new and totally things that I don't understand. And I think this is the future, maybe. We don't understand it, but this is the future. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I wonder how the internet will look like in a few uh, years, because right now their internet, internet of my daughters, looks totally different than mine. So, you know, and I'm not the future. They are the future. So Absolutely. That's why they see and yeah. have to accept it. <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. The, the 14 and 10-year-old girls of the world are absolutely leading the way, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping too, if you could speak to, um, you know, just kind of printmaking in Poland more generally, because I, I actually associate Poland with having a really strong printmaking culture and printmaking tradition. Um, I've known a few printmakers who have gone and studied there or done printmaking there under different circumstances, but I've never talked to a, a native-born Polish printmaker um, about her impressions. Like, did, was it something that you were aware of growing up? Do you, do you feel a sense of, of Polish printmaking pride? What's the sort of national relationship to it in your point of view? You know, uh, I think that we are aware about uh, Polish uh, printmaking pride, as you said. And uh, we, we, we know... <laughs> We know it, and you know it's a quite a huge uh, thing because uh, just fantastic that uh, Polish school of printmaking is so well known, and we have so many great printmakers. But I think it's like nothing appears from the air. So right. we had great teachers. We had a great relationships between academies and between uh, artists that that work here. And of course, we are looking at the other artists, and that's not only Polish art, uh, not, not only Polish street making schools uh, all over the world, but uh, we have great connections with uh, other street makers. We have internet right now, and before mm-hmm. we had some contacts from 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 um, other people. But yes, I know that Polish street making is good, and I admire a lot of. Polish printmakers. Actually, two days ago, uh, I went to some exhibition. It was 11th uh, Triennial of uh, Polish printmaking in Katowice, and it was 60 um, pieces of wonderful prints. And you know, I'm still impressed. <laughs> it's uh, 
fantastic. We have great um, relief printers. We have great uh, lithographers. We have really fantastic uh, entire working people, installation working artists. So, wow. There's yeah. a lot of things I've seen. So, actually, I'm really inspired right now. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I would love to visit Poland and see the printmaking there because, like I said, it's, it's just, I, I guess... Um, I don't, I don't know, maybe sort of like legendary, you know, when you think of like the, the great printmaking countries of the world. <laughs> I really think Poland is up there and, um, and you know, other parts of, of what we call Eastern Europe as well. But yeah, it's, I think, uh, that real uh, dedication to the craft of printmaking and the craft of drawing, I see that a lot coming out of, of Polish, from Polish artists and studios in Poland. And it's just beautiful to see. Yeah. So can you tell us, as we're sort of wrapping up here, um, what are you looking forward to? What's on the horizon in 2022 um, that Anna thinks is going to be good? Oh, I hope that the COVID will end. (laughs) Yes, cheers. (laughs) We can travel, yeah, and we can travel. You know, it was uh, those two years sitting here. I'm really happy because I have fantastic people at home, really great people at work, and um, no problem with um, working online. But I miss the people from abroad, actually. I really miss them, and I would like to go somewhere, see something, talk to some people, not only by Skype or by other media because, you know, um, it's really frustrating that you cannot move, you cannot see, you cannot touch, that you're just sitting with the computer and yeah. uh, I think we are all enough. Yes, I think <laughs> we've definitely all had enough. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We are right now in the academy in really hard times because of some paper, and bureaucratic things and I hope that uh, next year it will be less of it so it's my another hope and I hope that I will have some time to make more prints because mm. you know it makes me happy it makes me relaxed and it's like a meditation because to make another stuff you have to first release the stuff that you have in your head and make a mm, empty head for another thing so I hope to have the empty head. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That is so true. It's like the best way to get to the other side of feeling overwhelmed and anxious and just, you know, not like myself is to find something I can do to empty my head. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. It's great. Well, um, where can people find you? I know you said you didn't have Instagram, but if someone did want to see your work, uh, it would probably be the lithography website. Is that really the best place? I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And uh, there is a outdoor page, and on the outdoor page, there is a, a series of my works. But I think that uh, last years <laughs> I didn't add uh, a thing yeah. I think I didn't have print but uh, I will do it soon yes definitely yes. <laughs> In other places, I think in some exhibitions, I try to send my work to some exhibitions and I'm really happy that sometimes I'm accepted like in print Austin. So to visit Austin right now, uh, that he, he should go to Investor Gallery and uh, there are two of my prints. So I'm inviting. Yeah, we'll definitely put links, um, of course, to 
to Print Austin um, and all of that in the show notes for this. And then, yeah, the, the lithograph website is just like lithographia. So it's like lithograph, but L-I-T-O-G-R-A-F-I-A dot P-L. So it's like litho- lithograph, but with no H and uh, F. Anyway, I'll put a link in the show notes so people don't have to worry about it. But yeah, it's a really great resource for sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Anna, for, for speaking with me. It's been a real pleasure talking lithography. And I do hope you get a chance to visit New Mexico. We have Tamarind here. We have Landfall Press here, another great lithography studio. And we'd love to be a part of, of hosting you out here in the desert and, um, you know, teaching you how much more you need to sponge when there's like no humidity at all in the air and that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it has to be really, really uh, different than here. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it will be. But um, it's really been a pleasure to chat and I will definitely be in touch and I I look forward to seeing your work at Print Austin I will be there so I'll get to see it in person I think for the first time like I said I've seen it in catalogs uh, and you know on different websites for exhibitions and that sort of thing but it'll be a real treat to see it in person and I hope that after COVID you and I can meet someday too oh it will be great and thank you for the interview (laughs) if you like today's episode we do have a Patreon where you can help us keep the lights on and get bonus content, like Shop Talk Shorts with our editor, Timothy Pauschak, who digs deep on materials, process, and technique with our guests. And that's our show for this week. Join me again next week when my guest will be Amzi Imans. We talk about building community in the face of civic infrastructure failings, outdated commercial print technology repurposed for fine art, and how and why we build connections for printmakers in the digital sphere. You won't want to miss it. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing by Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week. (laughs) ¶¶